welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, recorded live at Maestros Cafe, located at the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center in beautiful Cocoa, Florida. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast, and highlights the music, the concerts, and the personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today's show features President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee. Now your host, SCSO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau. Uh, top of the morning to you, Eric. Ah, top of the morning to you, Bill. Why do we do that? Ah, top of the morning to because you. Because we wish it was National Pirate Day. Is so that go, it? Arr, top yeah. of the morning. Arr. You realize people probably aren't even listening to this in the morning. Well, that's part of our charm, though. We are delusional. <laughs> I think it's morning. I am delusional. I just also want to observe that we're actually not recording this in the morning. You're like no fun at all. My entire life is the Twilight Zone. <laughs> This show is absolutely in the middle of the twilight zone. There's no doubt in my That's mind. That's part of our charm. That's part of our charm. Well, so anyway. where are we exactly? Well, we're in Maestro's Cafe. I about lost my eyesight this morning. Why is that? Well, let me show you why. Are you ready? I was born ready. Ta-da. What's that? It's a Listerine little mouth thing anyway. I'm like, why is this thing not working? I just took it out of its package. Yeah. And I'm looking right at it like an idiot, and yeah. I spray it right in my eye. Can Ooh. you go blind? Can you go blind from Listerine? I don't know. Can you still see? Well, I can, but, it, but I guess you can't my go eyes blind are a little then, affected. Can you? <laughs> you can't go blind then, can uh, you? They're you a little affected. Still... Well, that's affected, right. Affected? Affected. You didn't need yeah. to see that much anyway. No. So no. Uh, we're at the beautiful Maestro's yes. Cafe yes. at the Central Bavard Library and Reference Center. And Reference Center. Center. You yes. need to make sure. You yes, know. Jeff Thompson was just here. He's the head he, of the library. He's and, still here. He's behind you. Right. But he was, uh, you know, I was saying I, he was happy we mentioned the library, even though I usually mispronounce it. But He's was, on his smartphone. Uh, he's very smart. I have, a, I have a flip phone. Yes, just like Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> The flip phone. <laughs> well, he made it very clear that I'm the last guy standing That's with right. the flip phone. That's right. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You're a fine, anyway. fine American. Well, I feel like one, but apparently I need a smartphone to be a complete fine American. No, you just keep flipping away with your flip really? phone. You'll be fine. Yeah. Well, if they keep making the smartphones uh, smarter and smarter, apparently in the future you'll be able to get a, a flippant phone because it just doesn't feel like uh, having you use it. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I just want to say how much I enjoyed listening to the show last week because I really which want portion to, of it? Well, all of it, but right. um, the end because I wasn't sure how it was going to end because I had to leave because you know I had the giant. You like the end? Yeah, like Jer- the end Jeremy, you were great on the end of the show. I could just you know stay home and let you run things. So yeah, was, Jeremy was great. It was really great. Jeremy is great. Anyway, I just thought it was great. You know, because I didn't know how it was going to end up. I had the giant dogs and then. The trombone section was playing for this thing over at one senior place for Aaron. So it was, you know, it was kind of a time crunch. But it all worked out. So. Well, we have a, uh, a very interesting interview with Margaret Cross. Yes, I'm yes, not familiar Margaret with Cross. her. But um, she does a one-woman show over at the uh, Cocoa Village Playhouse. So, Well, Aaron's interviewing Margaret Cross, and that's coming up just moments from now. Right. And um, that's where this show's headed. Just moments from now, moments an interview from now. with Margaret Should I get, Cross. Give the dates now, or keep people in suspense because she's going to be um, performing. Well, it's coming up moments from now, but go ahead and give the dates. All right. Why not? She'll, she's going to be over at the um, <laughs> Cocoa Village. Laughing. It's beautiful. <laughs> he should be laughing. He's going to be. She's going to be over at the Cocoa Village Playhouse. Uh, Friday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m., Saturday, February 28th at 2 p.m., and Saturday, February 28th at 7.30 p.m. So if you miss the uh, matinee, you can see the evening show. So you can't beat that. Can you give those dates one more time? I would be happy to. I'm, I'm just kidding. What? You just did it. But, you know, Go people ahead. may not have been You're paying right. attention. You're right. Okay, get your they pens. Get, they got to get, get their your pencil pencils. Out. No, no, no. See, that's old school. Get your smartphones. <laughs> okay, get ready. Get ready. Okay, three, two, one, Go. All right. Over at the Cocoa Village Playhouse. Yes. Friday, February 27th. I'm at on pens and needles. PM. Saturday, February 28th at 2 p.m. And Saturday, February 28th at 7.30 p.m. Do you there. see my arms are folded? They look folded. I'm cold. It's, anyway. It's warmed it up in matter. here. I know. 
I still have my hoodie on and everything. Actually, uh, Jeremy has the same hoodie on that I do. You guys go to the same store or what? Jeremy, you want to chime in on the hoodie? Well, I was just going to observe if you uh, didn't hear the dates that Aaron mentioned earlier. They are going to be in the show notes. So feel free to go ahead and look that up. Yes. Oh, show yes, notes. the show notes. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> I love that. I do. It makes me feel it. I was all a Twitter. Now I'm, you know what? I have to stop saying that because that too is getting right up to where great was. A Twitter is being overused. You think so? Yes. What happened to your thesaurus with I don't all know. your, uh, you know, what? I'm going to th- look for the thesaurus while this interview is taking place. Let's I, go to the interview. All right. Sounds good. This is Aaron Collins, Artistic Director of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today, I have Margaret Cross. Uh, she is a wonderful vocalist, performer, uh, artist all around, and a friend. Thank you so much for joining. Well, thanks for asking me. It's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be on my very first podcast. This is your so. first podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, not, I'm a big pod, podcast fan. Yeah, um, but in uh, the Brevard area, there isn't a lot of uh, podcast activity. It's I'm, podcastless it's, yeah, I, around here, and, and I'm glad we're uh, we're making the push. It'll be the new the new hotbed of <laughs> podcasting. I'm sure it's I certainly hope right so. here, right here in the heart of Brevard County. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, let's just talk about your musical background sure. or your background in general. Uh, when did you discover music? When when did that become a big part of your life? Well, from a very young age, um, I, my mom would always play musicals around the house and mm-hmm. old Ella Fitzgerald records and things like that. Um, I grew up being in church choir from the time I was six years old. Um, so I was always around music. And then when I was about seven or eight, my mom got the idea to put together a vaudeville act, which Everybody was doing that in the mid-80s in in Findlay, Ohio. (laughs) Um, But uh, we we had an act called the Cross Sisters, which uh, we would go around and do classic Broadway songs and standards for retirement communities and wherever they were too uh, feeble to kick us out. Yeah. Um, and then when we moved to Florida, uh, there's a lot more retirement communities here. So we, you know, kind of had a little circuit of doing entertaining. Um, and as uh, uh, I aged and my mom refused to age, mm-hmm. uh, the whole Cross Sisters joke that was funny when I was tiny, um, people actually started to think that we were sisters. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I still do now, um, in addition to my other uh, larger shows, I still perform in assisted living uh, and retirement places as well, um, and I really enjoy doing that. Um, the, and I'm sure they enjoy having you. It's Yeah, it's great, uh, especially um, at a number of memory care uh, places that I perform, yeah. uh, severe Alzheimer's patients, to see them responding to music, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein and Cole right. Porter, yeah. uh, and, and having a connection there, and, and uh, I, I really enjoy that. And I like the, I mean, that's the music I like as well, so it's not like I'm, uh, it's no great hardship for me to be doing some right. Gershwin and uh, have people appreciate it, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's completely different um, from performing on stage in a theater and performing in, in situations like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, I know we, we draw joy from our audience when we're in the theater, but it's especially I guess heartwarming to to have that kind of intimate atmosphere with your audience. Absolutely, and and it's you are being a version of yourself. I mean, I, I talked about that the first show that I did when I was down here. It was a traditional cabaret show, yeah. uh, n- not cabaret in the term some people, not the musical cabaret and not right. some other kinds of cabaret. Um, but it's it's a really interesting art form because you are being a version of yourself, right. um, but putting your own personality into 
classic songs. So uh, uh, I get to do that all the time at yeah. assisted living gigs. So. Now, when you perform, we'll talk about your show in, in a little bit, but when you perform on stage, how much of your true personality is... Do you play a character or is... It depends on the song. I mean, when you're doing... You know, when you're singing, I can't say no. Yeah. You know, you got to be a little bit Ado Annie. Sure. Um, but when you're doing someone to watch over me, you can, you know, be a little bit vulnerable. And, and actually, a couple of people totally separately have commented, I am, the, which is strange, but that I'm more myself when I sing than any other time. I'm kind of an awkward person in real life. You and me both. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I am most comfortable around other people when there's about, you know, 15 feet of space and a two drink minimum for them. <laughs> uh, and, and then I can just be me. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's an interesting, uh, uh, how that's developed and sort of a stage persona that, that I've, uh, I've kind of had to develop. It's yeah. been, it's been an interesting journey there. So, well, tell me, you lived in New York. Uh, tell me about your experiences in New York. Sure. Um, well, I was, uh, I was born in Ohio, mm-hmm. and I was raised here in Brevard County. I grew up in Melbourne. Um, I Did went you go to, to school? Uh, yeah, I went to um, uh, I went to a galley high for one year and satellite for two, and yeah. then I was uh, a, a music major at Florida State. Okay. Uh, go Noles. After that, uh, I came back here briefly for one summer and then moved to New York City in 2001 mm-hmm. uh, in November of 2001. So that was a very interesting time to move there. I, I was yeah. doing, um, I was actually doing uh, My Fair Lady at the Henniger Center uh, when September 11th happened and everybody knew I was planning to move to New York and they went, well, you're not going to go now. Right. And I went, uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, what else am I going to do? So, uh, I, I moved there and funny thing is I was born in Ohio. My very first professional job right after I moved to New York was they shipped me back to Ohio where I started and I, I would perform at the carousel dinner theater in Akron, Ohio. Um, <laughs> And uh, and it all started from there. And I worked, um, you know, pretty consistently. I managed to get my equity card while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also got into cabaret performing, which is sort of how I stumbled into what I do now. Yeah. Um, I was a theater critic for uh, Broadway World as well. And uh, had met a lot of great people that I'm still friends with now, thanks to Facebook. Yeah. Um, so um, it, it, I also learned doing my own cabaret shows. What basically when you're an unemployed actor in New York, a lot of times you will try to promote yourself by making your own show. Sure. So I did that a little bit and I learned a lot about, uh, promoting and uh making major mistakes and waste right, of absolutely. money with promoting absolutely uh and it, it was a great uh training ground but then uh when i came back here um to have my daughter dinah who's six now um i got a job as a choir director and kind of went okay i had my performing life and i'm very happy to be a mom and i love my choir directing job and performing is just something that you know yeah. i used to do and i was fine with that um, and then there was a little space that opened up at the Henniger Center. I, I'm not sure what they call it now, but it was just this little black box space. Mm-hmm. And I had become friends with some folks. My parents had started actually performing the Cocoa Village Playhouse. And I just worked in the sewing room. M- most of the people there didn't even know that I'd ever you know, done anything. I was just the mom with the cute baby. Right. And so some friends were like, oh, you did these cabaret shows. What was that like? So my dad went, well, what the heck? Let's rent the space. You know, little room at the Henniger and see if anybody shows up. And if not, you know, your friends will get to see what you did. And much to our surprise, um, and largely due to, you know, some great coverage in uh, in Florida today, yeah. um, a lot of people showed up. And right. my dad went, well, it was the first investment I've made in a few years that actually <laughs> had a return. Yeah. So uh, we did another show, and that show was, uh, I put together, it was kind of a radio, uh, 1940s radio play called I'll Be Seeing You that okay. my father was in as well. Um, and that was incredibly popular. Uh, I mean, popular, I don't know. People came mm-hmm. and we were kind of like, what's going on? So... 
Um, that's when we started. Um, we continued to do a few more shows there, but um, we brought that show to uh, Stacy Hawkins Smith at the Coca Village Playhouse, thinking, well, we'll see if she's interested in maybe, you know, some eventually doing that. And immediately she says, yes, we want to put this on. Absolutely, we'd love to have you do it here. Um, so it's just kind of snowballed. That's good. I mean, the well, last thing I, the last thing I ever expected was to be performing more now than right. I did when I was actually a working actor full time, right. uh, and to create my own shows and put my family in them and my friends. And, yeah. uh, it's, it's really bewildering. I keep thinking I'm going to get, you know, somebody's going to say, Hey, wait a minute, <laughs> you can't do this. Stop it. Like, well, okay. So, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and I'm still not quite sure how it all happened. Well, that's so. good. I mean, I mean, I know it takes a lot of, uh, like you mentioned, mistakes, things that happen uh, that kind of uh, teach you. It's teaching moments, we call them, that mm-hmm. uh, just kind of allow you to uh, succeed down the road. So sure. I'm, I'm glad that uh, your mistakes have paid off. Absolutely. I, and I still make them now and again just to keep myself honest. So. Yeah. <laughs> how do you balance being a mother to a performer? I mean, how, how is that balance for you? Is that- uh, support. From my family, I yeah. mean, I, I the nice, you know, Dinah's old enough now. She's at school, mm-hmm. um, and, but she comes along. I mean, she, you know, will be at rehearsals right. for my shows, and she's learning the songs in the background. Everybody's going, "Oh, when's she going to be on stage?" Right. Yeah, like, when is she going to be on stage? Uh, well, I've always my 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 response is always, I I was hoping she'd go into something more respectable than performing like <laughs> robbing banks or digging right. ditches. <laughs> uh, and if she wants to do that, that's great. But right now, she loves music and yeah. dancing and not doing it in front of people. So yeah. I'm okay. Either way with that. That's good. Um, but I'm glad that she, you know, she seems to appreciate it. She thinks what her mom does is cool, which I'm sure will stop as soon as she turns, you know, 10 or so. Oh, mom, will you stop <laughs> doing dumb stuff on stage? Um, but, um, you know, my parents are very supportive, and her dad is is great. He, he actually also works at the at the Playhouse as well right. um, in the, the tech department. So uh, it's, it's just support and other people helping me out and... and uh, it, it all manages to work out somehow. Yeah. So now tell me a little about, we have, we're very fortunate to have a lot of wonderful theaters in Brevard County. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the arts are very vibrant here in Brevard County and we have the Cocoa Village Playhouse, the Henniger Center, the Titusville Playhouse. Just tell me a little about how great, let's just uh, gush a little about our theater here in Brevard County. Absolutely. Well, I, People are, my friends from New York are really amazed when I show them pictures of, of Cocoa Village Playhouse. And they're like, that's, that's a community theater? Uh-huh. You know, and I say, wait till you see a show there. Um, they, they do amazing stuff. Um, you know, Melbourne Civic Theater does terrific things as well. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've sort of grew up, I I'm, think my first community theater show um, was something with the Phoenix a long time ago. That yeah. was way back in the day but um uh it's it's a great community of of performers you know i i i'm actually in a bit of a quantity i have so many friends who are in shows right now that i'm trying to schedule when i can see what i need to see gypsy at surfside i need to see west side story that's opening up uh uh tonight and uh color purple at the hanger and uh uh there's a lot of activity it's absolutely and uh so when you're a part of that community uh it's Great to support your friends, but uh, it, it's uh, it's almost an embarrassment of riches just trying to schedule everything. So yeah. it's terrific. But as a performer, it's very exciting to have all these opportunities. And uh, like I said, we're very fortunate to have those groups. Uh, let's talk a little about musical theater. Okay. We talk, and we'll come back to your shows. Uh, are there any musicals that just really... Uh, you feel a strong, deep connection uh, to or something that you've performed that you just... Well, um... It's it's hard. It's kind of you say it's like choosing a favorite musical. Is sure, like choosing choosing one of your children. Only it's more like choosing one of somebody else's children. Um, I uh, I love you know the classic musicals, Brigadoon and all that. There's there's a guy named Adam Gettle. He's actually the grandson of Richard Rogers, um, and he wrote a beautiful musical called Light in the Piazza. Nobody around here's done it. Um, but I, I love that show. I came very close to being able to be in a production of it uh, at the Mad Cow Theater in Orlando, and unfortunately schedules just, just didn't work out. But it's some of the most beautiful music um, in the modern theater. It's, it's, it's got a classic feel, but it's a very smart show that still has a lot of heart. 
same time I also love uh, a show called In the Heights. Uh, not one I'm likely to be in <laughs> since it's uh, a lot of hip-hop and, and rap and things, but that's uh, uh, that was uh, Best Musical a number of years ago, but I saw it when it was off-Broadway. I had mm-hmm. a friend who said, the show is closing this week. You've got to see this thing. It's incredible. This is like the next the next level of what musical theater can be. And right. I saw one of the last performances and I went, wow, it's a shame no one's ever going to see this, yeah. not knowing it was going to transfer to Broadway. Right. So uh, um, that's an amazing, smart, funny show. And actually, the guy who wrote um, the material for Neil Patrick Harris for the Tony Awards for um, the last couple of years is Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote that. Uh-huh. And he actually has a, a, a musical that includes rap and hip-hop uh, right now running uh, called Hamilton. That's the story of... Uh, um, Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, that I, I wish I could go uh, get get away and go to New York and see because it's uh, I just love his energy and, yeah. and the creativity and bringing a lot of heart and intelligence to musical theater with modern you know very modern sounding music. Yeah. Um, I mean I'm definitely a traditionalist. I love Lerner and Lowe and and all of that stuff. But seeing seeing there's there's a way to have that next evolution that isn't cynical, that isn't a jukebox musical, right. uh, you know, that isn't, you know, yelling at the audience. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited that the classic musicals are still alive, but there's so much new stuff that's coming out that is, is still in the in the in the vein of being original and creative. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm excited and that some of those, you know, there's the newer musicals are finally being performed down here. Now you can't get the rights to do Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis, right. uh, but you, you know, they're doing color purple at the Henniger. They did, uh, uh, Adam's family. They did, uh, Shrek, which is right. a pretty new musical that they did at CVP. So, so the theaters are taking risks and, and trying to do, but they're do, finding that their audience is still sticking with it. And yeah, and, absolutely. And, no, color purple is being very successful. Um, nobody had done Miss Saigon in the county before that CVP did. So, yeah. you know, they're taking risks and, and they built trust with their audience so that you'll go, well, I haven't heard of this. or Well, I don't know. You know, well, look, we love this. We love this. Let's go and, right. and support this. And uh, um, I, I'm, I'm very excited by that. I think that's great. Maybe somebody will do Light in the Piazza eventually. <laughs> All right. You hear about everybody. Light in the Piazza. <laughs> I'll do anything in it. I'll <laughs> wave a flag or something. <laughs> We're back. We're back. That was a great interview. I'm really, yes. really looking forward to seeing her show coming up. Yes. I think it's going to be really good. Really good. And what else do we have coming Thank up? You. What else do we have coming up? 
Uh, what else do we have coming up? She's got her show next weekend. Yeah, the Spizwinks. Ah, the Spizwinks, the oldest acapella group. The oldest acapella group. There is. Mm-hmm. And when are those uh, dates? March 11th, March 12th. March 11th is at uh, beautiful Vero Beach High School. Beautiful Vero Beach High School. At 7.30 p.m. I feel like a parrot. Why am I saying everything after you say it? <laughs> Why yes, not? Yes, yes, I don't Why know. wouldn't you? So 7.30. That way you get the emphasis. You know, because people, they say you got to say things at least like three, three times. times yeah, three that's times. the old advertising thing. That's right. Yes. So we're yes. getting two pounds. Yes. <laughs> yes. Two pounds. <laughs> yes. Jeremy. Jeremy is chiming in. He's a fine. Three times. He's a fine American. You fine are, American indeed. You are a fine American. Okay. We said that three times. Indeed. <laughs> See, there you go. Moving right along. I love this. So we've got March, March 11th, 11th. Vero Beach. 7.30 yes. p.m. 7.30 p.m. And then March 12th at the Scott Center, yes. also at 7.30 p.m. Yes. Now, 7.30 p.m., Jeremy. What do you think about that? I think that's a good start time. It's an excellent start time for during the week. It's I can a lovely tell you. start time. You get home from work, get, put the feed bag on, and get to the concert. You keep talking about the feed bag. I meant to ask you about that. Oh, did you now? Yeah. I'm not going to ask. Why not? Anyway. You should know about the feed bag. Yeah. Because of your uh, horse background, oh, taking yes. care of horses. You know, you got a horse and you put you know, a feed bag over their snout and they eat. It has been so cold over the last two days. For the last two mornings, I have Had your own fed horses. Bag? Well, I take these poor horses out of their stalls. It's like 6.30 in the morning. Let me paint the picture for okay, you. 6.30 in the morning. I go out to the, uh, to the horse stalls. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and there are two horses. One is named Jubal. And the other one is Shiloh. So okay. anyway, and I'm taking these poor horses. I think you're going to say the other one's name was Lation. Jubilation. <laughs> That's good. I, I was thinking the same thing. I just assumed it was going to be Lee. <laughs> Juba, Lee. Oh, Juba and Lee. Yes. Could be one of my relatives. Well, so I take these... I take these horses out of their stalls. I take their blankets off of them. Right. Yes, they have horse blankets. Oh, yeah. And they call them blankets. Anyways, and they're like big jackets. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like smoking jackets. Right. Anyway, they're, they're fastened. So these are very sophisticated horses. Yes. <laughs> very sophisticated. Indeed. Indeed. They're sitting around. They have uh, the newspaper and a pipe. Right. <laughs> well, now, it was believable until you said pipe. They do read the newspaper, but they don't smoke, Jeremy. Horses don't smoke. Right, they're very health oh, conscious. Yeah, I mean, not since the '90s, I guess. <laughs> they're very health conscious. <laughs> yes. They, All right. They do. They 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 only do the electronic cigarettes. Right. The anyway. cigarette. All right. We'll go. So on. well, here's so the you thing. got their horse jackets. Yeah. Off. So I take them out. So I, I feed them, and it's freezing. Right. It's thirty something outside. Right. My hands. I look like a prize fighter. Because I don't believe in... I, I just, I'm old school. I don't wear gloves. Yeah, you were and telling me I how you... You look, can't tell now. They look pretty good now. But these, my hands were completely cracked and the... You know what I mean? I could yeah. barely move my fingers. Yeah, you look good now. Well, thank you. Anyway, um, so I take these horses. I feed them. I clean their stalls. Right. I'm saying this on the show. Right. I clean their stalls. And then I turn them loose out into the pasture. And then they're happy. Yeah. So I did that. Yeah, I do that in the morning. That's so you, my routine. So you got two horses. Two horses. Okay, I yeah. got you. Do you ever ride them? Or? Do I ride them? Yeah. Well, of course. They're not riderless. Well, you know, I don't know. I thought maybe you just had them, like, you know, sitting around. Riderless. Riderless. I'm the owner of two riderless horses anyways. But, no, they're, uh, you know, family ho- horses, and uh, we all kind of pitch in. But um, in the morning, that's what I do. So that's I take good. care of the horses. and That's good. Yeah, it's fun. It's exciting. That's really good. Eric, I'm trying to remember. Was there a point? This story's gone on so long. (laughs) How do we get on the horses? Well, the point was the horses love to smoke, but they had to quit. They had to to give it up. All right. Well, before we go back to the Margaret Cross interview for part two... You no, why did we bring the horses up? What happened? I really don't there know. Was a, there was a reason. I just there was a don't reason. remember what it was. I really don't know. But it was very interesting. You know, I love animals. While it so lasted. It was really good. It was? You had this thing you brought over on your desk here. Uh-oh, so what did I bring? tell everybody about. What just happened? About the book group. Oh, the book. It's bu- a mystery, mystery book group. Yeah, mystery book group. Right. It's Thursday, March 19th, 2015 at 12.30 p.m. at room three here at the beautiful... So- Central Brevard Library and Reference Center. And it looks like the topics they're um, going over is the Great Southwest. So there's mysteries written, 
set in uh, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. Yeah, and so in a nutshell, really it's where everybody gets to read a, a different book, and then they all compare, uh, or they all talk about why the books are so good after the fact. Right, or, I think or, if you're a reader, so good, whichever. you know, you're yeah. like mysteries, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. So, yeah, guess what? What? It's time to go back to part two of the interview. I think that's a wonderful Margaret idea. Margaret Cross, ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Um, let's talk about your shows. Okay. Uh, you have a show coming up. It's I called do. Come On, Get Happy. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little about that. Well, it's it's uh, mostly a new show. This is actually, I realized, the eighth original show that I've created wow. since I started doing this three years ago. We're averaging about two shows a year. Um, although it is based on uh, a show that I did do at the Hanager called Oscar of the 50s. Basically, it's a celebration of the golden age of movie musicals, which was pretty much the 1950s. Yeah. Um, all of the best of Broadway finally made it to the silver screen. You had all the Rodgers and Hammerstein classics, South Pacific, Oklahoma, um, Brigadoon. Um, and then you had, um, uh, there was this first time that Hollywood got nostalgic about itself. And you had this big... Uh, uh, fashion for movies about the 1920s. Mm-hmm. So from that you get um, biopics about Al Jolson and you got right. uh, uh, Singing in the Rain, which is the quintessential movie musical uh, and it's about Hollywood looking back at its own past. Um, and so you get to do great 1920s songs. Someday I'd like to do a whole 1920s show. Um, but one of these days. Uh, and then you've got uh, original movie musicals like Gigi and A Star is Born. Uh, so it's this great uh, multitude of ter- terrific music and great stories, behind-the-scenes stories and, and really funny things uh, uh, that we're also putting in the show. Mm-hmm. But in addition to just a great musical, uh, uh, we have uh, I got to have my parents be in the show. Uh, Very cool. They'll be doing some songs. Uh, I always like to include my family and also Mike Law, uh, an amazing singer, a really great actor. He was Emile DeBeck in uh, South Pacific when uh, Coco Village did it a couple of years ago and was also uh, one of one of the uh, actors who played Father last year in Children of Eden. And actually right now he's, he is starring in an original musical that they're doing at Faith Fellowship uh, that's being written uh, in part by Pastor Jeff Hoy uh, about the life of Peter in the Bible. So he's he's involved in a lot of things right now, but he's also going to be uh, uh, be in my show, and we're going to sing some songs from Showboat. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but in addition to all those local people, when I lived in New York, uh, a family friend of mine uh, named Eric Spilker, he's a film collector, and has a lot of connections with old movie stars who right. were from from all that time. And he introduced me to a guy by the name of Carlton Carpenter. Now he's mostly famous for singing with Debbie Reynolds a song that became a gold record uh, called "Abadaba Honeymoon." Abadaba, 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 said the monkey to the chimp. That's kind of his big claim to fame. But yeah. he was a, a MGM star. He started a number of, of movies back in the fifties. Um, he's an 80, he's 88 years old and is still a working actor. Wow. Uh, and Carlton's a, a really great guy and, and a songwriter as well. I did a song of his called Christmas Eve uh, in our Christmas show. Right. And he's going to come down and sing a couple of songs in my show. That's awesome. And yeah, and, and he's, he's a great guy. He'd come down here before and actually had seen a number of shows when my parents did Hello, Dolly together. Um, Carlton was actually uh, played Cornelius in Hello, Dolly uh, in a number of national tours. He was supposed to be in the West End debut uh, of Hello, Dolly. And the week of the opening of the show broke both of his legs. Oh, my God. And so he was in the hospital. He broke out of the hospital, managed to get himself to the theater, and was trying to explain to the director how they could reblock <laughs> the show so he could still be there with right. two broken legs. Uh, they didn't let him do it. But he did eventually uh, uh, tour the world with Hello, Dolly, and did it with Ginger Rogers and, and Ethel Merman and, and all these great actresses who did the part. Um, so he gets a nice vacation. He lives in uh, uh, on a mountain in New York, so he's snowed in right now. Wow. We, uh, he was a little anxious 
anxious about that because he uh, often gets snowed in, but uh, he's uh, looking forward to a Florida vacation at the end of February and coming in and doing a couple of songs with me uh, in, in Come On, Get Happy. So Here's Carlton Carpenter with Debbie Reynolds singing Abba Dabba Honeymoon from Two Weeks with Love. Tonky way. Monkey talk means chimp, I love you too. Then the big baboon one night in June, he married them and very soon they went upon their abadaba honeymoon. All night long they chatter away. Tell me a little bit how you put these shows together. I mean, you have several elements, and now that you've done, this is your ninth show, or yeah, I guess this, yeah, this will be the ninth, I, ninth production. I ninth think production. some of them have been repeats now of old you, shows. You have the programming itself, mm-hmm. and then you have the musicians, mm-hmm. you have the promotion, all these things that have to come together to put on a successful show. Um, let's talk a little about the programming. The music you decide. I mean, I know you. This has a specific theme, right? Um, but then you have to have songs that fit. And uh, is there other than songs? Is there uh, other things that are happening? Storytelling or absolutely. Um, a lot of times, I will know. You know, this is where a lifetime of just being a fan of musicals, yeah. and movie musicals, and old Hollywood history and and backstage stories, um, where all of that. You know, just being a nerd and <laughs> sitting around and reading Wikipedia for hours uh, uh, comes into play because I'll know, you know, say there's some amazing backstories of uh, what happened with the casting and the voice voice acting, say, for the movie of The King and I. Right. There were so many actresses who were considered for Anna, uh, um, and actually uh, Maureen O'Hara was supposed to play the role and was going to use her own voice. She had a wonderful singing voice, which she really never got to use in a lot of movies um, and always regretted she didn't ever get to do a big movie musical. Yeah. So this was going to be hers. This is the one. Yeah. And then there was a contract dispute and she didn't get to do it. And they brought in Deborah Carr. And I love Deborah Carr. King and I is probably my favorite of the Rodgers and Hammerstein movie musicals. Um, it's I, got so many moving moments. It's such a beautiful film. Um, but I, I remember the day I found out that Deborah Carr wasn't singing for herself. Um, uh, it was a, she was voiced, her singing voice was provided by Marnie Nixon, uh-huh. uh, who did a lot of, she was uh, Audrey Hepburn's voice in My Fair Lady. She did a lot of that, but they didn't talk about it openly. So I remember the day I found that out, it wasn't her. And I was like, I felt so it betrayed. Was and then yeah. I found out. No, almost no. The only person who actually sang with their own voice didn't sing. It was Yul Brenner, but almost everybody else was voice dubbed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and and even in South Pacific, um, 
George Saunders, a great actor, uh, was also an amazing singer, and he only sang in one movie, Call Me Madam, and I, th- I assumed he was voice dubbed, because he's done, he did so many films playing a villain, and, right. but uh, uh, he campaigned really hard to play Emile Debeck, and got the, got the role, and then freaked out when he started rehearsing for it and quit. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and even uh, uh, the woman who plays Bloody Mary, who won the Tony Award on Broadway, they didn't let her do her own singing. Yeah. So it's uh, so all of that voice backstage stuff. So knowing stories like that, you have a theme, uh, and you you basically you make a list of songs, a list of songs that you like, and then just a list of songs that have interesting stories, and then you whittle down the list. And you try to you know it's it's a whole lot of cutting and pasting and saying how is this going to flow? Right. You know, is this too many ballads in a row? Oh, here's a big comedy show. Right. You want to keep it entertaining in. for the audience, them engaged from start to finish. Absolutely, yeah. and have a variety of things. This is the the 50s is also great because there's a lot of great pop songs that were movie themes. Mm-hmm. Um, que sera, sera, Three Coins in a Fountain. Yeah. So more pop type tunes of that era um, and not just, you know, Kiss Me Kate and, you know, all these all these show tunes over and over. So um, uh, and every show is a little different. You know, the Irish show uh, that I did last year, May the Road Rise Up to Meet You. Uh, I'd, I'd never sung folk music in front of people. I grew up listening to that. My father listened to Irish Rovers records, and yeah. and uh, I spent a fair amount of time in pubs while I was in New York. <laughs> um, so I grew, I grew love that music, but I was really nervous about doing something that wasn't you know standards and show tunes. Uh, but the audience you know responded well, and it was just a lot of fun to sing. And I I could do. I could, with all the material I researched, I could probably put together a whole new show just to the stuff I cut from yeah. from putting that uh, Irish show together. So it's it's uh, it's every putting choosing the songs is a little different for every show. Like well, and Christmas, you know, how do you make a Christmas show that's interesting? Right the stuff, you know, the balance of the songs people want to hear with some new things they haven't heard. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of Christmas music, and there's a reason you haven't heard a lot of it because some of it is terrible. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was I was happy with what we uh, what we put together for that uh, uh, as far as introducing. You know things from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, my favorite Christmas movie as a kid, that ran in this very limited window. So mm-hmm. people a little younger than me, or people a little older than me who didn't have kids that age, you know, they were like, "Those are great songs." You know, they were written by Paul Williams, who wrote Rainbow Connection and all that. Right. So, uh, and finding hidden gems I've never heard before. I mean, that's always uh, one of the most discovery fun parts. is the best part. One yeah, of the most fun that. parts of research. So, and you got the brilliant Diane Spar that's come. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Diane's always been with me. I actually got her. I feel guilty about it now sometimes. Um, she was only a church uh, and classical musician previously mm-hmm. and got the opportunity to, um, she accompanied for for me for a couple of things, and we've known each other for years from yeah. going to each other's churches, but um, she called me, she says, well, a theater called me and asked me to, to play for a show do you think I should do it? I said, well, you know, it's a gig. You, you know, yeah, I think you ought to do it. Her children had, had mostly just, just left the house. And I said, well, what show is it? She says, well, it's hair. <laughs> <laughs> and for a, a, a sweet uh, a church musician uh-huh. uh, to be playing for the uh, uh, Sex and Drugs 60s sure. rock musical, yeah. uh, she says, well, I was just really glad that my piano uh, had my back to the actors uh-huh. for sometimes because they, they did go the full Monty with that particular production. Right. So she got thrown in the deep end and now playing my shows, is, at least she knows everybody's going to keep their clothes yeah, on. Yeah, and she's quite active now. She is. She's actually, she's uh, uh, playing for West Side Story tonight. Right. So, and uh, that's a really tricky musical. Oh man, I, I actually, I was the um, I was the tallest, least Puerto Rican uh, Maria in history <laughs> many years ago uh, for Summer Fine Arts program when they did West Side Story. That was, yeah. uh, that was the biggest acting challenge I ever had was uh, playing 16 when I actually was 16. I was much more comfortable playing uh, sort of jaded 40-year-olds when (laughs) I was that age. So... Uh, yeah, Diane, Diane's great, and I've got the opportunity to work with um, a lot of great musicians. Deborah Moyer, uh, the violinist, mm-hmm. who she's actually just leaving now to go on, uh, join the national tour, I believe, of Beauty and the Beast. Right. And then Sydney Horn, uh, an incredible multi-instrumentalist, great guitarist, and, and, and a, just a great problem solver. We had him first for the Irish show, and he says, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to you know, butt in, but I kind of feel like there should be a banjo on this. And mm-hmm. I was like... 
I, that would be great. Do you have a banjo? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I was sort of feeling an, a, an accordion here. It's like, <laughs> uh, do you have, yeah, okay. So that, he's just great because he's got a whole big bag of tricks and right. uh, just a really sweet guy. And a, and a good musical tremendous ear. Tremendous musician, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he can just pick out stuff, um, which to me, I mean, I'm, I, if it's not on a piece of paper, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know, is this really a song? Can we do this? <laughs> So that's the adding musicians. And that's something that, that really happened from the transfer of going to CVP. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're a part of the regular season ticket. So people are paying for West Side Story, the same thing they come to see my dumb show. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really when we said we've got to go from just the me format, you know, just me performing, doing traditional cabaret show, to the review style where you have, you know, different elements we had dancing in in a couple of the shows not so much me but brought in other people right. to dance um and and multiple vocalists and more instruments um this time it's just diane um and i believe carlton's actually going to play a little bit too he's been talking about doing i love a piano so i'm i'm hoping uh hoping we get to work that out cool. um but just really adding more on the stage and more more value for money so people walk away going yeah you know that that was I, that, that was that was worth my time and and my money that's what right. it's about we're entertainment it, it's great to support the arts but you are still creating a commodity for right. people yeah. so you want they come for entertainment you've got to find the balance of you know i want this to be artistically meaningful mm-hmm. but i also want people to come next time too you sure. know want them to come back so it's a challenge absolutely for most of your shows you uh, donate proceeds um, or some of the proceeds to a certain nonprofit. Absolutely, this, this concert's uh, the Space Coast Honor Flight. Yes, uh, last year we supported. Uh, last year was the tenth anniversary of Wounded Warrior Project. Right. Um, who who does a lot of great work. Um, my my, and that actually started with. Um, I'm the daughter and granddaughter of uh, war veterans. My dad served in Vietnam, and with. The response we got from I'll Be Seeing You from World War II vets or the families of World War II and, and Korean veterans, people were thanking us for doing the show, yeah. you know, and, and for having a respectful tribute to veterans that wasn't just blind flag waving. And sure. that really got me thinking about a show that wasn't just, it's easy to wave the flag about World War II, um, but really making a show that was a tribute to all veterans who had served, um, including in the less popular wars, you know, as the daughter of a Vietnam veteran. I know all of the sides of that. Right. Um, And so that was probably the most challenging show I've ever had to put together. But the response we got from the veterans who came to see it and the families of veterans who came to see it who said, you know, thank you for acknowledging all veterans who've served. And so the Wounded Warrior Project supports um, veterans from the Gulf War and afterwards, um, and helping find them uh, j- new job training and rehab, not just for them, but physical and mental rehabilitation for them and their families. Right. Uh, so, so it was really great to be able to support them. But this time around, there's a great, uh, it's a national organization, but the local arm uh, is Space Coast Honor Flight. And I mentioned the other veteran show because that's how they became aware of me is some of their members uh, who support them uh, had seen that show and, and asked me to perform at one of their benefits. Uh, and so I got to know more about them. And what they do is get World War II mostly, but also Korean veterans uh, and take them to Washington, D.C. Right. to see the monuments and basically to pay tribute and thank them one last time for their service. Um, it's, it's an amazing organization. I got to meet some of the people who have, I'm, the, the people who travel along with the veterans as yeah. well. Um, I'm, I'm thinking someday I may try to do that when, when I don't have a show I'm working on. Uh, but, but these emotional stories, uh, uh, really um, affected me and and my family and we said let's let's this time around uh our part of the raffle is going to to go to that organization to help pay for flights um so there we're we're happy to support veterans groups uh whenever we can yeah that's great so if you want to find more information out about space coast honor flight you can go to spacecoasthonorflight.org mm-hmm. and find out all about them and and especially you know we're losing World War II veterans every day. Right. Um, there's very, very few of them left, and they're really trying to get the word out to veterans 
and their families who are interested in going. Uh, so if you know anybody who's a veteran, who's and if you're in a wheelchair, however however they get there, they get them there, and and always with dignity and respect. Um, uh, you know, spread the word about Space Coast Honor Flight. It's a national organization as well, uh, and you can also find them on Facebook at Space Coast Honor Flight. Okay, awesome. All right, let's wrap this up and talk a little about when your shows are mm-hmm. and uh, how people can find out about your shows and about you and just keep in touch with you and follow you and absolutely uh, well um, stalk you online. <laughs> absolutely. Well, apart from uh, I did do one of my shows in the Orlando Cabaret Festival last year, but apart from that, I'm pretty much exclusively with the Cocoa Village Playhouse now. Okay. Uh, you can find more about them at CocoVillagePlayhouse.com or stop by in beautiful downtown Cocoa Village. Um, like I say, West Side Story's opening tonight. They've got auditions for My Fair Lady. It's a great place to see a show or do a show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm, I'm hoping I get the chance to just be in something that I didn't have to write uh, sometime before the year is out. So uh, CocoVillagePlayhouse.com. Uh, you can call the box office, 321-636-5050, uh, or you can go online and buy your tickets there. You can choose your seats. Tickets are on sale now for Come On, Get Happy. That's Friday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m., and then two shows Saturday the 28th, one at 2 o'clock and one at 7.30, uh, and and we're actually very happy tickets are, are really starting Moving along. really really starting to move along. Um, I think some people have heard uh, Carlton's going to be in it and go, well, what's an 88-year-old guy going to do? <laughs> um, he shovels his own. That's the other thing. He just he says, well, the snow wasn't too bad. I just finished shoveling the drive. Right. And he's on, an in, he's on a mountain incline <laughs> like that's about half a mile long, and right. he still shovels his own drive at 88. So um, I was Good like, Carlton, him. stay in the house. What are you doing? Um, so uh, the the tickets are moving pretty quickly, so you definitely want to get on that uh, and 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 try to get good seats while they're still there. And if you want to follow just me, um, you can check out my Facebook page. Yeah, Mark, you have a, a vibrant Facebook page. A vibrant Facebook page. Um, uh, my my professional page is Margaret Cross Vocalist. Uh, if, if you send me a personal friend invite, I'll probably say yes to on my regular <laughs> regular page. But you will be inundated with pictures uh, of my daughter and my cat. So just be be warned. It's not very glamorous over there uh but margaret cross vocalist on facebook and uh try to try to keep up with all the kooky shenanigans i get myself into awesome all this information will be in the description below okay they can check all these things out and i can't wait to work with you again in the future and and maybe we'll get to do a show together in the near future i hope so absolutely so thank you very much and uh until next time Make it mine!
That Aaron Collins sure knows how to give an interview. Oh, yeah, that was a great interview. I'm really looking forward to her show Me coming too. up Me next too. weekend. February 27th and 28th. Right, and plus there'll be more information in the show more notes. More information in the show notes. On to the Spizwinks, March 11th and March 12th, 7.30. Right, uh, 11th at Vero Beach and the 12th at the Scott Center. For performing arts, right off of the Pineda in Melbourne. Right. And then... And- Last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, Chike 5. Right, Chike 5. Arr, Chike 5. Tchaikovsky, for all those that are not familiar with Chike 5. Right, they don't have the lingo, Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. Yep, yep, yep. It's going to be March 21st. March 21st. Vero Beach. Vero Beach. At 7 p.m. And March 22nd at the Scott Center for Performing Arts, just off the Pineda Causeway in beautiful Melbourne at 3 p.m. Right, that's going to be a really good concert, also featuring Daniel Askarov. They're going to be doing a string quartet, and Daniel wants to be on the show again. Yes, he does. So, and uh, I think he should be. So and I'm not I'm a, sure when we're going to. Got the email from on. Joyce today. That's right. So he wants to be back on. So we're going to have him on sometime. So that's going to be really exciting. I think there should be a negotiation here. What's the negotiation about? Well, I know uh, Bill was very interested before. We will only interview him if he lets you hold his violin for a minute. You know what? I'd love to. He's not going to let you hold his violin. He's not going to let you hold his violin. It's a violin from the 1800s. He's it's priceless. It. It's like a million-dollar violin. Yeah, he's not going to let you hold it. Is it a million? It could be. I don't know. We can ask him. It's that. priceless. Right. We can ask him about it's it. It's whatever the perception is. That All I know is 1800s, it has to be priceless. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're at Maestro's Cafe for another incredible show coming to an end. We're still here, it's over though. already? Yeah. Stop oh. by for a cup of coffee, breakfast, lunch. You can even have dinner on Tuesday You can Thursday. have dinner on Tuesdays and what? Thursday. Thursday. We're open late Tuesday and Thursday. That's right. So plan ahead. Stop by. And read that favorite book of yours. Have a meeting. Have something to eat. Go to the mystery book tour. You know, whatever you want to do. Yes. And ladies and gentlemen... This is Bill Trudeau. And Eric Lee. And Jeremy Hickman. Saying, we'll We'll see you at at the the show. You've been listening to Maestros On Air. Brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Remember, you can support the symphony in many ways, including a visit to Maestro's Cafe, located just inside the main entrance to the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center, 308 Forest Avenue, Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's Cafe serves a variety of coffee and other drinks, as well as breakfast and lunch selections, and is open most days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., with extended hours on Tuesday and Thursday, closed Sunday. For more information about the symphony or upcoming concerts, like us on Facebook or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show.